Welcome to the Becoming Titans podcast. I'm Russ Yeager, founder and CEO of Body Transformation University. I help busy business owners and executives get a beach-ready body without killing themselves in the gym hours every day, giving up the foods they love, or taking away time from their family or business. I believe putting your health first is the most important thing you can do to propel your business and financial success, ignite passion in your relationships, and to live a happier, more fulfilled life. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing inspirational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Welcome to the show today. I am so excited for our guest, Rail Bricker. So from being 6,000 feet underground, can't wait to talk about that, to starting an education business that grew to have 4,000 plus students, to spending hours working in venture capital. Rail has seen it all. He's listed companies on two international stock exchanges. His financial services group has settled more than $3 billion in loans. That's billion with a B in 18 years. Rail has diverse work history combined with his unique global research interviews with companies in more than 25 countries. And with more than 30 years as a serial entrepreneur, Rails helped businesses succeed by delivering a series of dynamic talks on building businesses by thinking outside the box. Rails has been presenting for many years on business culture, finance, investing, diversity, and ethics. The learning is best practice combined with practical experience to achieve business excellence. Rail holds two master degrees, an MBA and an MSc in software engineering and is an undergrad and has an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering. Rail is currently a fellow of the MFAA, Mortgage and Finance Association of Australia, a certified speaking professional, professional speakers of Australia member and a member of the AICD, which is Australian Institute of Company Directors. Rail is also the first inspirationalist in Australia with Integris Global and a mentor with both mentored with Mark Boers and my mastermind space. Rail is also the author of Dive In, Lessons Learned Since Business School. What haven't you done, Rail? Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, Russ. It's uh, good to be here and uh, good morning and good evening, so to speak. Yes, yes, yes. I, I appreciate the, uh, the flexibility. We're about, uh, what, uh, 14 13 hours, hours, 13 hours, 13 hours. So it's morning for me and at night for you. And you're a, um, you know, a guy that, that puts fitness first. We'll talk about that, but I want, I got to know, man, I got two things I got to know. So first of all, 6,000 feet underground. Tell, tell me about that. And, so, and then I'll know how you became the business excellence guy. So, I mean, 6,000 feet is, is, is normal South African. I would grew up in South Africa. I moved to Australia in 1999 South African gold mining is very deep. Um, 6,000 foot is probably an average gold mine. Um, that's the depth of it. It is an interesting place. The mine I worked on was interesting because there was no methane or anything else. So guys would walk around underground smoking, uh, which is kind of crazy because you're in a certain relatively confined environment. Um, rock temperature was 38 Celsius. So, you know, close enough to 75, 80 degrees Fahrenheit um that you, you know you went underground in an overall you came up in a wet overall because you were sweating the whole time you worked in a space some places 70 to 80 centimeters high you went in on your stomach or your back because the gold mining seam is only two or three centimeters in size so they didn't want to take out a lot of rock so they made it as small as 
possible to get the rock out. Um, I was lucky. I was privileged. I was a white engineer. The majority of the workforce were black, unskilled laborers um, who weren't paid a lot of money. But the company that I worked for paid for my university. And so I had no choice but to work for them. The, the lesson I learned there was, was how to work hard, obviously. But more specifically, I learned how to be a leader. And I was respected by the black workforce because majority of the white workforce treated the black force really, workforce really badly. And they called me a, a, a colloquial name, Makosi which means little boss. And that's all I thought it was. And someone then explained to me, it was actually a term of endearment where they actually liked me and called me Makosi, which was quite unique for, you know, five foot six, you know, white guy, new graduate. But I just hit it off. I just found a relationship with the staff there. And that was the lesson I've taken through all my businesses throughout my life. Wow. So, so a couple of things there. First of all, man, I I'm six, six. I would never make it. And I don't like tight spaces. I would never make it down there. Um, I, I imagine they got it. I mean, you got to go through some kind of training is good. Every, otherwise you got to have some people that freak out when they get down there. Is yeah. I mean, the freaking out stuff is actually more in, in, in the tight spaces. And interestingly, as I've got into my fifties, I've become much more aware of tight spaces. As a 20-year-old, I just did it because it was my job, and I went in there, and you're always nervous. I mean, you're nervous underground. You've got 6,000 foot of soil above you that it can crash down at any time, uh, you know, and you, you, you're thankful every day that you get to what we call sunshine level when you came up from underground um, and you got up. I mean, the cages, the, the lifts, they'd call it, the average elevator would be the size of a, you know, a large... Um, uh, office building elevator you'd have 40 people in it you'd be packed in like this in your overall hard hat and boots you know so it, it was a, it was an interesting experience a really rough environment um, but I'm glad I did it you know I, I'm glad I went through that experience because it, it taught me a lot about people I think a lot of us have those those jobs where we, you know, we, we're glad we did it but we're glad we're not doing it anymore for me it was I worked uh, one summer uh, installing air conditioners and so we were either in really hot attics or crawl spaces underneath the house which I guess is not being 6,000 feet underground but I was crawling on my stomach in dirt and, and dark tight places but nothing nothing like you're doing so so I'm hearing you say your you know your your team members liked you respected you trusted you um, you know when when maybe that wasn't normal in that situation so to me those are characteristics of a great leader would you say you were you know, a born natural leader or did you take leadership classes or did you, did you even realize that, that was that you were becoming a great leader at that point? Um, I'd always, even at that point in my life, 20, I was 21 to 23 year old at the time. I'd led a number of community organizations. I'd been president of Rotaract, president of JCs. Um, you know, I, I, I had been in leadership positions at school. I was a, a student representative council member. You know, but I'd never seen myself as this leader. I've loved being on stage. I've since a young age, my father took me to Toastmasters at 14. So, you know, I guess part of it was that ability to talk to people and the ability to project that probably helped me being a leader. I mean, I, and, and as I am, I'm five foot six. So, you know, I, I don't have a commanding, like high presence, like you do, you know, you're over six foot. Um, did I take leadership classes? No, because I don't think, 
the end of the day, I think you can teach people to be great managers. I think the inherent leadership skills of people who are truly great leaders. I mean, you can lead an organization as a manager, but to be a truly great leader, I think it's something that's inside you. You know, they say the successful entrepreneurs are 0.1% of 0.1% or whatever. It's a tiny, real little number. And I think true leaders are the same thing. You know, there's that old saying that says some men are born great, others achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. I think you can achieve greatness. I think you can learn skills. And I, in my business, I teach people communication skills. Why do I teach communication? Because I think if you communicate with people in the way that they want to be communicated with, that's half your battle won. And, and it's about understanding behavioral styles. That's the way I teach it, using behavioral style. And then I, I apply that to, well, you know, if somebody's a particular behavioral style. So in my world, you would be what's called a yellow, okay? I'd, I'd, I'd classify you yellow. And I have this little cube and any one of your listeners that wants to, to write to me, send me an email, I'll send them a free copy of this in, the, in that thing called mail, where it still gets delivered in your mailbox. But... But the characteristics of a yellow on the bottom of the box are charming, confident, convincing, enthusiastic, inspiring, optimistic, sociable. All right. That's, that's, you know, my take on Russ. Okay. And then I go to the yellow side of the box that tells me how to communicate with you. Okay. It says, give them compliments. I haven't done that yet. All right. Likes change and innovation needs involvement and people contact wants others to notice them. So when I start communicating with you, to try and talk to you about something, convince you of something. Those are my things. It tells me you're motivated by creative problem solving, freedom from control and detail, opportunities and ideas. I mean, that's just my, my take on it, but that's how we teach people to communicate in ways that are really effective. Very cool. You definitely pegged me, uh, pegged me right. Is, now, is this, is this a system you came up with or is this? Um... No, so it's originally based on DISC, on DISC profiling, which right. has been... Yeah, I've done... but yeah. the problem with disc is that if i said to you you know my, my, yeah you're involved in the space but for most people you go what was your disc profile oh i can't remember di something but if i said you're a yellow and a you're a dominant yellow with a bit of red you would remember that yeah you know and so so that's why we've broken it down into the colors and we use colors so uh, it was great. I've got my mortgage team and I was having drinks with them one Friday afternoon and I'd invited somebody who'd been on one of my academy programs and he said something to one of my staff and she said, yes, I'm going to react like that because I'm a blue. And he laughed because he'd been through the academy and he knew what a blue meant. And so, but this was six months ago that she did the course, but she still referred to herself as a blue. So we found that, that the colors um, as opposed to letters and numbers make much more sense to people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, it's, it's great too, because, you know, a lot of people, and this was me early on before I understood the different personalities is, you know, you're sometimes you're, you're in a sales meeting or you're working with a team member and it's just clicking. We just get each other and it's easy. And then other times it's like, man, I just, it's so hard. And it's because, you know, we naturally communicate the way that we are. I'm a yellow, so I'm naturally going to communicate, assume other people are yellows. But if somebody else is a, is a blue, there's going to be nothing happening. So when you can understand this, communicate, you know, to people in a way that they understand, you're going to have much more 
uh, success. So tell, tell us, Rail, where can, this is so valuable, where can uh, listeners get the, uh, get the, the block? They can send me an email, rail at railbricker.com with a physical mailing address and my PA will gladly put one in the mail to them. I know it's snail mail, but it's the best way it works. Hey, so so first of all, everybody, that's rail, a, excuse me, R-A-E-L at R-A-E-L-B-R-I-C-K-E-R.com. So make, take advantage of that. And I respect that, man. No, everything is digital these days. Um, I love getting stuff in in the mail. So I know the uh, audience is going to appreciate that. It works. And, and um, but, but, you know, you said something there that's very interesting. It's so, so the true leaders and, and potentially, you know, you, you meet somebody in a room of people and, and they're a great conversationalist. And then you ask somebody, what did they actually tell you about themselves? And they go, they didn't tell me much. But they asked me so many questions about myself. They made me feel comfortable talking about myself. And that's just one of the sort of, you know, leadership skills, I guess, that, 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 that we help people develop. But it's a hard skill because particularly for some people, all they want to do is talk about themselves. Yes. People's favorite subject is themselves. And if you can be the person that lets them and, and nobody listens these days, if you can be the person that lets people talk and listens. It's amazing. I literally remember, you know, a few months ago in an event and, and I try to practice this and I'm asking guy questions and typically people will, you know, they'll talk about themselves. They'll love it. And then they'll ask you about him. It was 30 minutes. He didn't ask me one. I actually tried to get a few words in. I said maybe four words and literally the whole conversation. It was kind of like, oh, my God. And then afterwards, like, man, like, you know, I, I want to stay connected with you. I really like you. You're such an interesting guy. I'm like, I said four words. So it's, it's so powerful. So, so you're in the fitness industry. I want to ask you a question or, or comment on something. So I went to sign up at a new gym, right? I don't have my own gym. I, I got a, a, a gym. And it was very interesting watching the sales guy sign me up because I had been a member at this gym. I had left that gym for about 10 years. It's near my office. I decided to rejoin. I went in and I said, oh, look, I was a member here. I like the gym. And, you know, I'm happy to sign up. What does it cost? You know, tell me the cost, show me where to sign, and then I'm done. But this guy was so trained into his, he had to start speaking. He had to tell me, you know, that this gym has this and this and this facility, and it does this and this and this. And I'm going, and it's not my nature to be that snappy, but I'd, I'd come in and made the decision. But he had been so programmed into telling people about all the features and benefits. He didn't even listen to what I said, which is, where do I sign? Yeah, you, you were ready to, to, for the close and he was ready to, to still on selling. Yeah, <laughs> listen, listen to your, to your audience. So Real, how did you go from, you know, working underground in the, you know, gold mine to everything else you've done to now being the business excellence guy? So, I mean, the, the short story is I, I always knew from the age of 14 that I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I, my parents didn't have money to send me to university. So I got a scholarship, but part of that scholarship was working on the mines for two years uh, after graduation. So that's how I ended up on the mines. Um, I came back to Johannesburg after the mines, did my MBA. Um, and, and so that was kind of the end of my formal, formal education. It's a whole different debate we can have about where the value of an MBA. 
But in 1990, I started a business. Now, 1990 in South Africa, very significant time because Nelson Mandela was released. The, the great Nelson Mandela was released from jail. In fact, on the day I got married, on the 11th of February, 1990, he walked out of jail. I walked into jail. That's a joke my wife has approved me telling. Okay. Um, anyway, but six months later, I said to my wife, I, my entrepreneurial spirit is, is coming in again. I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to be my own boss. And she said, go for it, darling. Like, I trust you. Let's do it. And so my business partner and I, both young MBAs, started a business. That business, and, and the beauty of it is that business morphed into the education business. It didn't start out by design. I see too many entrepreneurs that I work with today who tell me that spreadsheet number 27 tells them they're not really ready with their business. And I'm going, that's 26 too many spreadsheets. Okay. Sometimes it's just about that gut instinct, that, that understanding commitment to yourself. So we started this business. Six months later, we started our education business as part of it. We had 20 students the first semester, and we had no money. We were doing everything from typing notes to standing at the photocopier. But then we hit on, we were at the right time, at the right place, right time, because Mandela was released. That's why I said it was significant. There was this huge demand for education in South Africa, particularly from the previously and disenfranchised. And so we were just in the right place at the right time. We started this business, we built a rapport and it grew. And five years later, we owned a 50,000 square foot building in Johannesburg and campuses around South Africa. And an opportunity came up to reverse the business into a listed company. So we took the opportunity, cashed out and was 32 and uh, was on a restraint of trade for a year. So I did a course in holistic healing and massage. I love learning new things. And I did my pilot's license at the same time and spent every day at the gym, go to the gym at eight o'clock after dropping kids at school, work out for an hour or two, do a spin class. I, I actually became a spin instructor as well, just for fun. And, um, and then I'd sit and have breakfast at the gym and then leave there at 11 because I was semi-retired for a year, which is really cool. Um, an opportunity came up to go into venture capital and I joined some funds in, in uh, South Africa and then moved to Australia and joined some funds in Australia. Because of my experience with going through the, the reverse listing and buying other businesses, I was in an ideal space to be in the venture capital world. And because of my IT background, they said, oh, look, look for IT acquisitions for us. It was the tech boom. So it was a great, you know, things happen when you make things happen. A lot of people, you know, you meet and they, you know, they're walking around like this because things didn't happen their way. You've got to just make the opportunities. And so came to Australia, joined a VC fund, listed that on the Australian Stock Exchange, raised 22 million in our first round of, of funding, listed that. And then they wanted me to move to Sydney. And I went, lifestyle in Perth is so much better. It's 2 million people. Well, that time was probably 1.7 million people. Beautiful, warm sea. <laughs> the Indian Ocean is beautifully warm. And I love living here, 10 minutes to the beach, 10 minutes to the hills. So I just went, yeah, I'll stay here. And I went out on my own. And then again, through a series of coincidences, by the way, this whole story is in the book that I'm giving you all your listeners for free. Um, and I've, I'll give you the link and they can download a free copy of the book. And um, yeah, so I started this finance business by coincidence. Again, I was raising capital for businesses. They said, can you find us a loan for our home? And I went, 
yeah, why not? I'll find out how to do it. And that's what I did. I became, I became a home loan broker and 3 billion and 18 years later, I'm still doing it. Wow. Um, in 2013, though, I had a big scare. I had finished a season of triathlon. This is where it gets your interest up and about fitness. And I was training for a marathon and I kept getting neck pain. 10, 12 kilometers into a run, I'd go, this my neck sore and my shoulders are sore. Maybe it's just because I'm a, what they'd call in Australia a big unit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm short and stocky. And, and I'd go stretch a little bit on the side of the road or find a park bench and bend over and do some stretches, go away, and I'd carry on running. And eventually my, my, my wife, my mother-in-law, and my doctor all said, something's not right. Go for a CT scan of your heart. I did, and they discovered I had two blockages. And if I'd carried on training, I would have had a heart attack. Um, I was 95% blocked in one artery and 75 in the main descending artery, the LAD. Two weeks later, I had two stents. And eight years later, I have no signs of cardiac ischemia. I still play hockey at a master's level. That's field hockey. That's on a grass, you know, not, not on ice. I just got to explain for your American listeners. That's that thing with a round ball. Um, I still cycle. I still spin. I go to the gym. I do Pilates. Um, and I go every two years to see my cardiologist who says, come back in two years. You've got nothing wrong now. So, and that's a mindset. That was a mindset of saying, I can do this and be better and fitter and stronger. Rail, that is a remarkable story. And you are a fascinating human being. Um, man, oh man. So, so much in there. So I have to ask, how important is it to take care of your uh, health and fitness as an entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my diary is blocked out every morning between 8 and 10. Now, most days I might go to the gym at 6. So I'm at the office by 8 or 9 in the morning. But I block out 8 to 10 Monday to Friday because my staff know not to book appointments in case I want to go for a run on the beach or go swim on the beach or do something. So that's, it, it's absolutely important because it's not only just being fit and being healthy, it's about timeout. It's about absolutely taking yourself out of it, focusing on whatever you're doing for an hour or two and not thinking about the rest of the world, putting music on in your ears. I love training with music on, not because it motivates me, but because when I've got music in my ears and I'm focused in the gym or whatever, or running, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm listening to the music. So that's my way of doing it. So it's been a part of my life. I was a state hockey player in my 20s, broke both kneecaps, had operations, went back to playing hockey in my 50s. And at that same time that I had all this stuff, I realized my passion. I built my mortgage business by selling over a billion dollars of mortgages from the stage. So I would run seminars about property, investing, finance, and people would buy mortgages from me. And that's how I sold over a billion dollars of mortgages. And then I said, but after my stents, I went, what can I do different? I can teach people. I can share my experiences of business with other people. And that's how I've morphed into a professional speaker and Excellence is my passion. Why excellence? Because you can never be perfect. You can only be excellent, which is showing up as the best version of yourself every day. And so I, I, I took up as that, that excellence moniker as 
what I do is I work with business leaders to create excellence and be on the journey to excellence. That's, that's, that's beautiful, man. So, so you guys don't have to take it from me that, that putting your health first is the most important thing you can do for your business, but you hear success leaves clues. Every single guest virtually that comes on here talks about the importance of exercise in terms of not only their personal health and relationships, but, the, but their business. And, and guys, every, you know, you got to listen to who you're getting your advice from. Everyone on the Becoming Titans podcast is making a minimum of you know, a million dollars in their business revenue. Rails, obviously, with his business is making way, way more than that. And, you know, he's saying that he schedules and you say you don't have time. He schedules the time just like a work meeting. I literally consider my workout time as part of my work uh, because I'm working on, you know, my most important asset in my business, which is is myself. So I love that. I want to I want to make sure people didn't miss. You said something that's a principle that I believe in hugely, but you said it more succinctly uh, than I've ever heard it said. So you said things happen when you make things happen. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah you've got to, you, you can't sit and wait for things to happen. You've got to get out there and make things happen. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to use that. Mission. Not with an intensity, but just an awareness of it. You know, you you can't. You've got to look at. So, I'll be driving and I'll see a sign on a car on a on a you on a truck, whatever. I'll see some kid on the side of the road. That will inspire me to write a blog, or maybe record a video, or use that in one of my training courses. It's about that same thing. It's just about seeing all these opportunities around you and, and, and storing them away and remembering them. And, and, and just, you know, Henry Ford was asked how come he was so successful. And he said he jumped at the good opportunities. And so the interviewer said, so how did you know which were the good opportunities? And he said, you just got to keep jumping. You know? I love that's, that. that's what it's about. I love that. I've heard it said that um, I think it was Tony Robbins that said you we encounter um, a million dollar opportunity every day and you just have to be op- aware of it instead of, like you said, walk, walking with your head down and, and, and missing everything. And most of the time you're going to you're going to miss. It's not going to be you know, you're not going to get it right. But again, Mark Cuban says you only got to be right once. You only got to be right. Which is my philosophy is, you know, I'm the guy that I'm doing all kinds of things, man. I'm taking shots, taking punches, and I fail a lot. But, you know, if I do 100 things and my success rate is, you know, 20%, I'm still beating the guy that's, you know, only doing 10 things and he's at 80%. I'm still doubling up on, you know, the, the things that I am successful on because they're taking so many shots. So, uh, Rail, what is – I don't want to miss this too. I feel this uh, – you said something. I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm sure you're so grateful. Thank God your wife. I uh, told you to go get the, the scan, um, you know, and you, we hear about these people who are, you know, healthy athletes and they drop dead of a heart attack because lots of times people don't know they have blockage and there are tests that you can do um, to identify that early on. So I encourage you guys, I'm actually working with, um, with a holistic doctor here and she's got a unique approach that can, she's saying, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do it and I'll be sharing it with with my audience and everybody I know that can identify potential risk um, of uh, heart attacks that aren't, aren't seen on the normal uh, scan. So as soon as I do that, I'll be sharing it. But yeah, you want to make sure you're, you're checking things out, even if you're feeling good. Well, the problem is, and, and you would see that with people in your foot in the fitness industry, 
I, at the time I had a resting pulse of 42. I still have a resting pulse of 42, but then my rest is, so I'm, I'm sitting there with a resting pulse of 42. I'm training for a marathon and I'm feeling good most of the time, except for this bloody pain in the neck, you know, and, and, uh, talking to some specialist doctor friends of mine, one of them is an ear, nose and throat, throat specialist. And he had a patient come to him who was experiencing pain here in his sinuses. And he scanned them and everything was clear. And he said to me, when we're talking about it afterwards, he said he picked up that that person has blockages somewhere. And it was being evidenced by a blockage in a, in, in just a, a simple little vein in his face. But that was telling him that there were other blockages somewhere else. And it was the same symptom that I was getting in the back of my neck. Yeah. So very, you know, it, it, it is there and we, we, we're not aware of it because we think we're bulletproof. Yeah. And it's, it's very preventable, very preventable um, as well. So, okay. So I got two more questions for you, Rail. What is, no, first of all, what's something you would tell your younger self um, you know, as, as you were getting started today, if you could go back? I would probably say, and, and again, I quote that in my book, I say that over my, you know, 50 odd years of being on this planet, I've mixed up the, the, the difference between confidence, overconfidence and arrogance. And I would probably say to myself that I need to be much more self-aware of the overconfidence and arrogance. People like confident people overconfidence and arrogance tends to put people off and for a number of years of my life I probably displayed a lot of that as well which probably lost me a lot of opportunities along the way too so that would be the advice was to was to build an emotional intelligence early on in your life build emotional intelligence to understand who you are and what image you portray yes excellent and last question, what is, what's something, a strategy, technique um, that you're using today that is successful that somebody can, uh, can look at implementing in their business? So I, I believe in, in the idea of never asking staff to do anything that you wouldn't do. And, and again, there's a chapter in the book that, that talks about that idea. But it comes down to, I see too many business uh, managers, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but business managers who feel that that task is below them. And they're actually almost arrogant at that level. Whereas in my business, so I'll give you a classic example. On the, over the last 10 days, we've been changing um, uh, customer relationship management system in the mortgage business. About 15,000 clients on the system I was really nervous. My wife was telling me I didn't sleep for three days because I was nervous because we literally shut off on a Wednesday night and started the new system on a Thursday morning and the IT guys did the switch over overnight. So it was, it was a little hair-raising last, last week when we did it. But the first thing I did once we had installed the new software was I went back and did the same job as my assistants in the mortgage business who processed loans. I went in and I entered, I keyed in data with two fingers. I'm not as sophisticated as they are. And I found the problems. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a strategic thinker when it comes to software, but I started finding the problems in the software and dealing with them in a linear basis, one-on-one, -on -one, trying to 
make their experience better. But every staff member knows that I've been through the process. So when they tell me something, A, they can't lie. <laughs> but more importantly, they know that I've had the same pain in trying to get to that point and that I can do it. So therefore, no, no staff member holds me or tries to hold me over a barrel and say, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm so valuable to your business that I, I, you have to keep me on and pay me more money. But no one's ever done that because they know I can do the job. And so, but I will ask staff to do it now because they respect me because I've done it. Yeah, that's so powerful. You get, when you, when you do that, you're getting three things. You're leading by example, showing them you're willing to do it. You, you said it, you can't be held hostage because you know you can do it and you have to. And, and number three, you can hold people accountable because you know if you do X, you know, Y and Z, you're going to get a certain result. And if, they, if they're not getting the result, well, then you can hold them accountable. Hey, you need to do X, Y and Z the right way. So I love it, brother. Hey, the, uh, you know, it's been said by many successful people that, you know, you're, the quality of your life is only changed by the, you know, the books you read, the quality of people that you meet. And I definitely feel honored to have met a extremely high quality, quality person today, Rail. I know the audience feels the same way. Let's make sure that we know uh, where everyone can get your book before we uh, sign off today. So the same website, railbricker.com slash free book, railbricker.com slash free book. It isn't on the menu. So you actually have to know the URL to get there and go there and you can download a free PDF copy that's what the book looks like. There it is. Actually, I know you've got some video guys who will run some video as well. So I flipped it up on the screen for you too. Um, and that's what the physical book looks like, but the PDF will be um, the same look and feel. That's perfect. Download the book. Rail is a is over 30 years of, of massive experience, you know, ups and downs, but massive success. Um, I can't wait to read the book. I appreciate uh, having you on and, and man, I'd love to speak with you more. Thank you. And I look forward to it. And yeah, anytime we always have open to have another chat. Thank you, Rail. Be sure to share this episode. I know you guys got so much value out of it. And always remember to keep striving, work for excellence, be your best. And I believe in you. See you next time. Rush Yeager here. Thanks so much for listening to the Becoming Titans podcast. If you're a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or executive, consider your company as having a true purpose and would like to be a guest on this program, please visit rushjager.com forward slash apply. And hey, if you got value out of the interview today, I'd be so grateful if you simply would share it on your favorite social media platform. And if you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, tag them on social media to let them know about it and include hashtag becoming titans. I love seeing you guys' posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and really mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more about what I do, go to rushyager.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, all under my name. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time.